For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Thank you, Allison. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing fine. It was like a double dog dare to see who would say, <laughs> welcome to Strange Familiars. If you have a story of a personal experience with the supernatural and you want to share it with us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. And even though this is totally unfair, Bigfoot does cut the line and skip to the front. So, As I usually say, yes. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got Flannel Man stuff, we've got ghost stuff, we all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Comic books kind of stuff. Kind of, yeah. yeah. But it weaves in with ghosts and, and other things. So tonight we're going to be talking with Nathan Isaac from the Penny Royal podcast. And if you haven't listened, go ahead and check it out. I think if you like Strange Familiars, you'll like Penny Royal. He focuses on Kentucky, but really just kind of one area of Kentucky. And he digs in and he finds all the weird stuff. So it's paranormal stuff, it's true crime stuff, it's conspiracy stuff. It's a lot, and there's a lot there. There's a lot to choose from. He's got season one out. I think he said he's working on season two. But if you like what we do, we kind of dig in here in central Pennsylvania. Now, that's not all we do, obviously, but one part of what we do is to dig in here and find all the weird stuff we can locally. Well, that's all he does, and it's all about this Penny Royal area of Kentucky. And to me, it doesn't really matter that it's not a place that I've ever been or that I probably ever will be. I, I love those kind of insular things that only people from around that area would know about. Or Yeah, exactly. And at some point in the interview, we do discuss that, that idea of, like, does it matter if you're in Penny Royal area of Kentucky or if you're in York County, Pennsylvania, or if you're in some place in Colorado or wherever? Doesn't that there's matter. a common thread. And, you, and you, you'll be able to find stuff. You know, Absolutely, you know. yeah. Before we talk with Nathan, I forgot to do our thank yous last week for the PayPal donators. Eric C., 
makes a lot of PayPal donations. Thank you, Eric. And Hondo B, thank you very much for your PayPal donation. It helped a lot. Oh, we, I also wanted to thank for Christmas presents that we just got around to going to the post office box to get. So I wanted to thank Zoe for the photo and... Uh, and Tina. And Tina for your cow that gets sucked up into the alien. <laughs> or into the into the UFO. Speaking of Tina, before we get going with Nathan, let's quickly drop a little thank you to 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy for sponsoring Strange Familiars and mention that if you have a puppy and you need help with your puppy, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. They have a relationship-based approach to training that helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. See, it's not really about making your puppy perfect. It's about you and your puppy adapting and becoming perfect for each other. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group. One-on-one options are also available. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. So no matter what you need help with, whether it's potty training, fear and nervousness, chewing on furniture or shoes, or other things they shouldn't be chewing on, mouthing and biting, crate training, hyperactivity, leash training, and more. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can teach you what to do and also what not to do. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. All right, so let's get into my story with Nathan. I forgot to mention, he has not one, but two Flannel Man encounters. He saw him twice. Same flannel man? Same flannel man. The second time he said to him, twice. Twice is no coincidence. The flannel man said that to him? Yeah, when he saw him the second time. So. Well, let's hope this is a Kentucky-based anomaly. (laughs) Very, very cool uh, flannel man report. I know Nathan was on Where Did the Road Go recently. I didn't get a chance to listen to that yet because I've been busy with the release of the new book and my own podcast and everything else that's going on. So I don't know if we covered a lot of the same ground that he covered with Soraya on Where Did the Road Go. This was recorded before Soraya's interview with him, probably by a month or so, but I was getting ready to release it, and Soraya happened to mention to me that he was releasing the interview with Nathan, so I put it off for a couple weeks. Hopefully we cover some different ground. I think we might, and this is a two-part interview, so tonight you'll hear part one. And then we'll drop part two real soon. I think even before next week, I think we'll do it as an extra episode. But without further ado, let's get to my interview with Nathan. Okay, everybody. Tonight we are talking with Nathan Isaac from the Penny Royal podcast. How are you doing tonight, Nathan? Oh, I'm fantastic, man. How about you? How are you? I'm doing all right. So... I have to say, TJ, one of my dedicated listeners, told me a long time ago, like I want to say many weeks ago, to to check out Penny Royal. And I have not a lot of time to listen to podcasts. Unfortunately, making a podcast limits my listening to podcast time. So I didn't at the time. And then you you messaged me, and I've been listening, and it's absolutely fascinating. I, I really like what you're doing. It's obviously it kind of rings bells with me when when someone's like i'm gonna look at my local area i'm gonna dig in i'm gonna find the weird stuff yeah so, so i absolutely love that i absolutely love what you're doing 
I am, I think, halfway through your first season. Now, we were talking a little bit before we hit record. You said there's going to be more, right? Yeah, so the second season, you know, we never really stopped making it. But, you know, I just had to pick a date and say, you know, we're going to we're going to put the story out, you know, to this point. And uh, and and, and so that's what we did. You know, I I had a a date to shoot for and and we got the production done and and released it. But um, just a lot of stuff that that happened during the investigation of all this stuff. Um, it really, I don't know, just it's just too much stuff. It was too vast of a sort of story to to to, to put all in that one season. And so a lot of it's going to be in the second season. A lot of the stuff that happened, and um, just there are new things happening. Even after after the release of the show, um, I've been contacted by a lot of uh, people, and a lot of strange things have happened after you know after the fact. Right. Um, yeah. Totally. Because of that, and so <laughs> so it's been, it's been interesting, man. I mean. Um, now, would, it, would you say there's sort of one story, or is this a, a cluster of stories? I think, I think it's one. For me, it's one story because when we started looking into all this stuff, you know, I was very much wanting to look at local folklore, mm-hmm. and and that was the the whole purpose of the podcast was just to to tell the stories of this area. You know, of the Penny Royal and Somerset and Pulaski County, and really, it was I was entering it from like a paranormal sense and looking for those kinds of stories because I love, you know, I love high strangeness and and I love all these these supernatural stories. And uh, when I dug into it, there were more than I could have ever possibly believed it was going to be there. You know, it was so rich with just weird things. But the deeper we got into it the more that these incredible parts of the story seem to stack together and and be a part of a structure of some sort. And and that was sort of the mystery that we were trying to to uncover and to figure out was, you know, why why were all of these things that seem absolutely incredible happening in one place? And ultimately we became part of that story. Um and, and the story became very personal. And so in that sense I, I think it is it's one story, but um, there are a lot of strands that weave together uh, for that story. So I think that tends to happen because this uh, this phenomena is so personal in a sense. You can try to be removed, but I think you're going to get drawn into it at some point. I mean, it happened with Keel. It certainly happened with me. I no longer try to separate myself at all from it. I just dive in and and let's see what happens. You know, it's happened with uh, the Hellier folks, certainly. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes... The nature of this stuff is that you will become part of the story if if you're really into it and if you're paying attention, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the, the later part of the um, of Penny World, the, the final episode, the finale, it all sort of... For me, um, and I'm, I'm going to spoil some things for, <laughs> for you, but uh, um, for me, it really became um, something about observation. You know that that we were, um, you know, we 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 discover that there's this um, mine here, and in, in, um, you haven't gotten to the part about Guterma yet, right? I have not. Nope. Okay. Okay. So, um, so in the third episode, when we interviewed Pamela. She, you know, uh, she was the cult victim, mm-hmm. and yeah. 
um, you know, for her, that story is absolutely like that really happened to her, you know, but it's, but it is sort of classic satanic ritual abuse. You right. know, I, I think something happened to her, but you know, was there, uh, you know, a cult as she said there, you know, I, I'm not sure, but she told us that story. And then after, you know, Greg came and, and Connor and Carl and, and shot the scene with me in, in the eighth episode of the second season of Hellier, after they left, you know, they, they had told us all the stuff about Amy and those emails that she had sent them um, about a cult in Somerset. And that's, you know, a p- part of this story that I've been researching involved these murders, these unsolved murders here in town, and the possibility that they were related to some cult uh, that prominent people were involved in. It was sort of like a, a wicker man thing, and it just sounded totally unbelievable to mm-hmm. me. So I discounted it. You know, I'm like, ah, you know, I think this is something to do with, you know, drugs, cartels, that sort of thing. You know, maybe maybe human trafficking, you know. And but then when Greg came in, they tell me that this woman's telling us the same story that Pam was saying, essentially. Uh, I was like, well, you know, is is it possible that this that there is something going on? And uh, but that's when she uh, Pamela mentioned to us and you know, we asked her again you know where did this happen you know where where was were these rituals taking place and she told us the Mount Victory mine and I didn't think there were any mines here in Pulaski County at the time of course we start digging and we find that there were a few and you know because this is fairly far west of Appalachia you know we're right at the edge of the, the foothills mm-hmm. she tells us to set this mine well, when we start researching that mine, we, we find out that there is a Mount Victory Coal Company. And it was owned by this really infamous attorney that's mentioned in the, the third episode, Lester Burns. Okay, right? yeah. I've, yeah, I've gotten that far. <laughs> yeah, so, so Lester, um, you know, he, he was involved in some really famous stuff, uh, famous murders in eastern Kentucky. And they wrote a book about him called Dark and Bloody Ground. And so um, he owned that <laughs> he owned this mine. And it turns out that this guy that, you know, because Pamela's telling us there's an international black magic cult at this mine. And then we look into it and we find out Lester Burns owned the mine and that he sold it to this guy that the New York Times refers to as Mr. X. Hmm. Right? And he's this international man of mystery. And his name is Alexander Guterma. And the guy... Says he was from the Philippines. He's he's like a, a, a Russian general's son, uh, son from you know the Russian Revolution and all this stuff. And he made his way to China, then to the Philippines and ran a casino. And anyway, he, he has this like very occulted history, you know, this unknown history. And he ends up in the U.S. in '51, and within like six months, is one of the richest men in America. And ends up committing the largest stock fraud in U.S. history up until 1959. Hmm. And a lot of researchers believe he's actually a Nazi intelligence agent from World War II, and that's why his past is is blank, and that he was brought over to the U.S. through um, the Galen organization. You know, there was like Project Paperclip. Right. Well, there there was also the Galen organization, and that was specifically for spies and, you know, instead of scientists. And so that's a possibility. He ends up trying to uh, – he helps to overthrow the Dominican Republic. 
and he's uh, named as a co-conspirator in the JFK assassination, right? <laughs> wow. So, so this guy, Alexander Guterma, who who feels like someone you should have heard of, you know, for me, it definitely, I was like, man, this guy's been involved in, right. and, I, and I'm barely scratching the surface of the things he was involved in, and uh, it's like, why have I never heard of this guy? Well, in 1975, he buys the Mount Victory Coal Company and buys that mine that they're saying this cult is at from Lester Burns for $15 million and then moves his entire financial empire to Somerset, Kentucky. Wow. Right? And I was like, this uh, this is incredible, right? And ultimately, that mine, you know, the Mount Victory mine, it, it it's the most polluted place in the county. And uh, he was here for two years and then... Uh, was in a plane, a private plane flying from Boca Raton to uh, New York, New York City to uh, the circus with his family in Madison Square Gardens. And he di- diverted the plane to Somerset for some unknown reason, was here for a few hours and then flew out of Somerset and then crashed in Brooklyn and it killed him and his entire family. Right. Wow. And, and, and people believe he was assassinated. Uh, so then the government took that mine like they, then they, they own the mine, and that's strange, too. But there's this mine up there, and it's a hole in the ground, right? It's, it's, it would forever have been a hole in the ground. But once we started looking at it, right, it now, because of the story, has become this mythic place in this narrative. Hmm. And to me, a lot of this story and a lot of this, this mystery and the phenomena, I guess, you know, that we would call it, is this interacting with with these this information and the information sort of feeding back mm-hmm. uh, and and almost changing and and almost adapting th- th- this too this will blow your mind but uh, <laughs> when we were researching Katerma, my research partner uh, Darian West, he and I do a lot of uh, software development, app development, data mining. Um, for automotive com- companies, like data mining VIN numbers and things like that. And we, you know, we're good with data. You know, we even he even built a software uh, called Nautilus that we use to data mine all of these documents that we found, right? And so uh, we we were like, we found everything that's, that you could possibly find on Alexander Guterma and on this mine. And the day that I told him, I was like, all right, let's move on. You know, I think this is everything. That night, he messages me. And he's like, dude, Lester Burns had a business partner, and his business partner that owned the mine was Vice President Spiro Agnew. Okay? (laughs) And I was like, what? And he sends it to me, and then there's hundreds of articles, as if they came out of nowhere, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously, that's that's not, you know, they didn't just appear, but it was weird. It was a strange thing that then that added a whole other part of the story um, and, and it was a big scandal, and, and it also helped us figure out why uh, people were buying shady people were buying mines in Kentucky in the seventies. But but it still added this whole like, you know, this guy's already Guterma's already said to be a, you know part of the JFK assassination, and then now he's tied to you know Nixon and Agnew, and Agnew raised the money to buy that mine while he was on the campaign trail, the reelection campaign trail with uh, Nixon, right? Wow, and. Yeah, it's just it's weird, but it's like, why is all of this coming to Somerset? You know, why is all this stuff being drawn to Somerset? 
but there's there's definitely this observational quality and and a large part of the story becomes that um steven snyder who's a researcher a parapolitical researcher um and he's in the show you know he began to help us uh, look at a lot of this stuff and he was the one that brought up second order cybernetics uh in the macy conferences and and that kind of changed things for me because you know um i always thought cybernetics was you know the terminator right and uh you know uh, man and machine but really cybernetics is just learning how to um, control systems and observing how control works in a system and this in the 19 i think late 1950s they came up with the con- concept of second order cybernetics so like cybernetics is just observing you know uh an observer and an event right but then second order cybernetics is when the system that's created by that relationship becomes aware of the observer and the event and then observes the observer and the event. It causes like a feedback loop. Right? Okay. And so to me that I was like, that's, that's in a sense what, what's happening here. And that's what I think synchronicities ultimately are. And that's, you know, in penny roll in the final episode, that's kind of where I arrive at, at that point is that, you know, we have all these things. The, we observe a million things a day, right? But none of it has any persistence, you know, because we don't think about it anymore. But those things that we do focus on, feedback loops are created. And it's kind of like a tulpas, mm-hmm. you know, or like the Philip experiment or, or you know, th- it's like you're 3D printing something. Every time you observe it, it adds another layer of reality to it, you know. And that's what, you know, people finding and you know, watching Hellier in finding this this significance in the blue balloons or or whatever you know um, those things those synchronicities that you're like oh my god you know 111 or 1111 keeps popping up in my life right those are because you are interacting with that information over and over again and it's creating these feedback loops and i think that those feedback loops can get more and more complex they can also have more observers like with Hillier, like with Penny Roll, where where you're onboarding a lot of people that are observing a phenomena or your interaction with this information, then they begin to interact with that information, and it creates a, a larger and larger structure. And you know, and so people call things like that egregores, which are really just you know a, a topic form. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and so like for me, that's what this was. It was it was we were in a sense interacting with ourselves interacting with this information we were finding but you know all of it's real you know guterma is real you know it's all verifiable it's one of those things where it's like well that's incredible you know in the second episode i talk about the kentucky anomaly right that's weird that that the largest spike of geomagnetic energy in the western hemisphere is here mm-hmm. you know in Pulaski county it centers here and you know and that's all verifiable and so it was just all of these things where it was like there's a clustering of all of this, uh, a sort of a layer cake of weirdness that defies explanation. But it's it's like interacting with that structure, that information structure, began to change us in a way, you know, in the way that we were looking at the world. It's just crazy. I, I don't know, man. It's 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 just it's been a weird journey, and not not at all where I thought it was going to lead, you know. Yeah, I think that these different avenues open up the more you dig. I mean, my first book, 
I dug in so hard in that toad road area. I thought that's it. And then sure enough, I start finding more and more stuff and I get a second book out of it. And this is one little area in one little County here in Pennsylvania, you know, and and at this point I've gotten two books and I've found more information since, which, you know, may or may not see the light of day at at some point. It's, you know, I'll talk about on the podcast, but we'll see if it becomes another book. But I think you're right. I think you get into these sort of zones where you just start. You think everything's done, and then another another door opens. Yes. And, and then the way I put it is it's it's a spider web. And we have to try to tell stories somewhat linearly on mm-hmm. podcasts and in books so it makes sense to people. Right. But it's a spider web. And you, it's so hard to to relate that, yeah, okay, so this this thread goes this way. But, but it's attached to that thread back there. And yeah. you can't pull in one without moving the other, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really, really uh, difficult to, to tell stories in this way. And, and uh, you're doing a good job. So kudos thank, to that. Thank you. But yeah, I totally get it. I totally get like everything you're saying. It's just like, yeah, that's, that's the way it works. You're a sort of a time loop theory. I, I don't know if, do you listen to Word of the Rogo? Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, Soraya yeah. had something like a, a similar theory, I think, you know, independent of, of uh, you guys. He talked about it on one episode. About and, like retro causality? Yeah, kind of like that. It's just really, really interesting, uh, you know. You know th- so his thing was that, um, and this, again, this is like Soraya's concept a- as regards to like Point Pleasant and, and all that went down there, that sort of the Mothman was generated by these people's, uh, by the tragedy that these people went through and made this kind of time loop. So where, where people were actually seeing, you know, these Mothman entities, but they, it had to do with the, the stress and, and everything that, that they would, uh, go through in the future. Yeah. 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 No, no. I mean that, that, yes, I think that's, I think that absolutely is, is a part of, a part of this, you know? Um, but because that, (laughs) I mean, that was one thing that I, that I really considered was, is it our investigation of this, right, and the and the publicity of this, you know, because like you're right, we're we're constructing a narrative. It's a lot of information, mm-hmm. and it's filtering through us, and so, you know, we're sort of the center of the web, and and but we're shaping it, you know, we're spinning it, we're spinning that story, and um, it, it's just it's it's like, is the creation of the story now? what caused those things to happen. Right. And, right. You know, and, uh, and it's very viral. I mean, uh, I, hell you're, I, I've, I've talked to, you know, many, many people who are just like, yeah, I, I, ever since I've seen that, you know, weird stuff is happening and I'm, I'm more aware of this weird stuff. And, uh, I think this stuff has a, has a viral sense to it as far as that goes. And by the way, speaking of mylar balloons, I just, I, I love to note that, uh, we found our mylar balloon in pandemonium, now they used my music in episode ten of season two in Hell Yeah, yeah. But I had knew I knew nothing about what was going on with those guys. I knew nothing about the story. In fact, it was very last minute that they asked me to use the music. Um, I I forget when it was. You know, it was like maybe a month before that it was uh, finally released. So I didn't have a lot of lead time. I didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what I was doing. We we weren't you know having daily contact or anything. We started finding mylar balloons. And then when I see it pop up in Hellier, I was like, oh, my goodness. 
So uh, I've been trying to get Greg oh, you on were, ever since. You were finding them before before you saw the show? Yeah, if you listen to our Pandemonium episodes, they were published before Hellier 2 came out. And <sighs> that's when we started finding them. Um, wow. And uh, Ch- Chad, uh, my, my investigation partner, saw something, some sort of humanoid figure, that led him off into the woods. And I was kind of following behind him. And he's just going, it's getting dark, and, and uh, we're in the Tuscarora State Forest. And he just keeps going further and further out. And finally, he stops, and I catch up with him. I had his son with me, so I you know, I had to travel a little slower. And uh, we catch up to Chad, and he's like, this is the last place I saw, you know, whatever it was. He'd, he'd been following this figure. And we look down the ground, and there's this Mylar balloon right in the ground. I was like, that's weird. That you know, because I'd heard other Bigfoot people talk about him a little bit, and I said I don't know if this is a thing or not. So we we published that episode, and then the Hellier thing came on. I think we might have found one or two other Mylar balloons, but most recently we were on Toad Road, found a Mylar balloon, took like five steps, and found two pig skulls. Which there's a whole other thing. I mean, it's they've just been absolutely in our life ever since then, but. Uh, but yeah, it was actually before the our pandemonium episodes were actually published before Hellier, like right before, like right or like not too long before. So that's it's just been in the air, whatever whatever they are. That's so strange, man. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a phenomenon that uh, some Bigfoot researchers have reported to. Well, that's why I paid attention to it. I just like somewhere, like on a YouTube video or something, somebody was talking about. These mylar balloons marking Bigfoot areas, which at, at way back yeah, at this time, you know, years ago, I was like, this is ridiculous. So, you know, <laughs> I don't even want it. Now I'm absolutely, totally fascinated. I wish I could find wherever it was that I, that I heard it first. It's, it's like the flannel man. You know, I heard about that somewhere. I read about that somewhere. I didn't. I certainly didn't invent it. And then, you know, it just so happened that 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 was, you know, my wife had that experience. So I, I got to tell you, man, about that, too. Um, I started listening to your show, I think it was two years ago or two or three years ago. And I, I love, you know, strange familiars. And thank you. Uh, um, it, it's great, you know, and, and you've had a lot of people from Kentucky on and, and, and a lot of stuff about the area. And obviously, you know, I, I love folklore about this area. I just, I love stories. I just got a, a message tonight about, uh, somebody telling me about, oh my goodness. I, I, I just had to skim it cause it was literally minutes before we got on together, but he was from Kentucky. And he's telling me about some kind of war in the woods between like creatures and stuff. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to dig in. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but so uh, the I was listening to the, when I started listening to the show. You, you brought up the. I remember when you brought up the. I heard you bring up the flannel man for the first time. Probably not the first time you've talked about it on your show, but the first episode that I listened to that that mm-hmm. you brought it up, and I was like, oh my god, because I you know I have two flannel man encounters, right? And with the same entity. And it was it was one of those things that I've told tons of people and they'd never heard of it before. And then I saw it. Is it Kiel? Yeah. Kiel yeah, talks he, about he, it in several places. The, checkered, the, the man mm-hmm. with the checkered shirt. It's like the checkered shirt guy. Yeah, he talks about it in, in uh, Mothman Prophecies, but a, a couple other places too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so so I guess once I really got into the high strangeness research, I saw that, you know, and I was like, well, holy, holy other people have. This is a phenomena. But then when I was listening to your show and, I, and she started talking about it, I was like, oh my God. God, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then obviously you've had, you know, uh, you've talked about it a lot. And, uh, 
it's so strange, man. It's just one of those things that also it's like, what is this? You know, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I have, you know, I, I'll come up with a theory and then something will contradict it, you know, with that. It's uh, you know, you... from uh, it being some sort of uh, relic kind of Odinic figure to, uh, uh, you know, watchers on the threshold to, you know, and, and then I'll get a story that will sort of contradict these things. So. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Do you want to hear my story really quick? Absolutely. <laughs> I want to hear both stories. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're well, both they're encounters. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like a one thing. But so um, my first wife, Amy, who I'm, yeah, who, who's my current wife, um, she's the one that's from Somerset and we moved down here. But um, when I lived in Lexington, my uh first wife she was from uh bosnia and i met her in college but she had come to kentucky as a uh, a refugee but with the un and so when she was like 15 or 16 she was an interpreter for the un during the war in bosnia you know back in 92 93 mm-hmm. and she saw all kinds of just like horrible things you know uh, while she was there and um just just a lot of like psychically or psychologically you know just heavy heavy atrocities yeah i can imagine and she kind of had, you know i don't know if she had ptsd but definitely you know it, it was it was with her it was part of her and, and 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 i've i've been to bosnia quite a few times um and i love bosnia i love going to sarajevo and and it's a beautiful beautiful and it's old though and there's this connection to the land that they have and that she had. I mean, she she traveled with soil from her homeland, right, in a vial. Oh, wow. Just old souls, you know. But um, uh, we were living in Lexington in this old, old house. Uh, and we had roommates and I was in college. And she was going she, – she's a doctor, and she was uh, going to medical school at the time. And she was asleep in the bed. And I remember I, I – uh, uh, well, the, so the, – first encounter that <laughs> the first encounter was we were we were living with this group of people at the time the first time it happened i was in the basement of this house and that's we had a, a bed down there and turned this basement into where we lived and so i went upstairs to the kitchen to get a drink of water in the middle of the night and the light was on up there and i like walk up there and i'm and i'm getting a drink of water and i look over into the laundry room and there's this guy standing there. At the time, I, I didn't realize I was dreaming. It was all so realistic. And I look over, and that's when I knew I was dreaming because, well, I, I, first I thought someone had broken into the house because I saw this red, like checkered flannel shirt on this guy. But when I looked at his face, his face was blurred, hmm. right? 
I couldn't see any features of his face. And immediately I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm dreaming. But, but also it felt uh, menacing. And so I just had this feeling that I had to get back downstairs to my body. Right. This that was the that was the thought that came out. Oh my head. wow. And there was this weird pull and it was like my vision shifted and went down the stairs. And when I got to the bottom of the stairs, I could see myself in bed beside Anna, but she was flailing and screaming, right? In the bed. And so I look behind me and here's this guy in the flannel shirt with that I can't see is the features of his face slowly coming down the stairs, right? Wow. And I jump into my body and immediately just fly up out of bed like this. I mean, it was very like, like, uh, felt cinematic, but it really was that like, I just sprung up and I look over and she is having this, she is flailing and screaming in bed, having this crazy nightmare about, about the war, right? And I wake her up, you know, and she's like, well, you know, disoriented. And I'm freaking out, you know, because I was like, that was a strange nightmare. Well, at the time, I didn't know what a flannel man thing was. And it was just like a nightmare. You know, that's what I chalked it up to. You know, I didn't think it was paranormal at all. Right. Yeah, that's the same with my wife. Yeah, it was just like, ooh, that was a scary dream, you know. And it was like, that was weird that I was having a nightmare while she was having a nightmare. And um, so... Two or three years later, we moved to a new house where we're downtown Lexington. And she had come home from, from one of her shifts at the hospital. And we were sleeping. I remember I got out of bed and I went to use the bathroom. And we had, it was like one of those shotgun, old, you know, like 150 year old shotgun house in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm like walking down this hall. And then out of the bathroom steps the same flannel shirt guy and I can't see his and and I I, again it was like I wasn't even I didn't think I was asleep and like I stop and then I hear him say to me uh, twice twice is no coincidence and then he starts walking right hold on hold on I'm sorry I I I woed over what you were saying there wow let me let me process that a minute that is intense okay sorry now, so, so he says it. So then it's the same thing where my vision like slides over my shoulder and I see myself in the bedroom still and she's flailing and screaming in the bed beside me. And again, I like flew into my body, jolted up out of bed and she was having another nightmare about the war. Right. And that's when I was like, is this some type of entity? Right. And I wondered if it was feeding on her. Wow. And her emotions, right? And that maybe it did it frequently, but I'd caught, I'd seen it t- doing it twice. Yeah, but I, it was one of those things, and that that's that's all that ever happened. But to me, that that's what that's what it was. Until you know, then I heard all these other stories that people had, and, I, and then found out about Kiel. But it just was so it was so frightening when when I heard the words twice, twice is no coincidence, as if I I shouldn't have been able to see the thing twice, right. you know. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's really strange, man. It was a really weird story. And, you I, know, I think of all scary. the reports I've gotten, which it's, you know, certainly dozens at this point, um, I think maybe one or two other people have been spoken to. So 
That's that's uh, that's a rarity. Do you remember anything about his voice? No, just it was those words. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was it was the concept of you know twice twice is no coincidence. Wow. But it was spoken very very matter of factly. It that was I mean that was what frightened me. It was like then I was worried that it, that it <laughs> that it was pissed that I could see it twice. You know what I mean? Then I was like, am I going to start seeing this thing all the time? You know? But well, that's I've, the, I've never never had another encounter. One so. of the things we get in common with many of these reports is, including my wife, is it people say that it they whatever it is looks surprised, mm-hmm. like it's caught, like you, like how are you, how can you see me? That's, Which is that. That was the experience for sure. You wow. know, what that like, you know, it could not believe that, that I, that I was aware. I don't know, man. <laughs> huh. That is I mean, wild. what do you, what do you, what do you really think it is though? I mean, do you, like I said, I, I keep flipping back and forth, you know, from, from this sort of Odinic like figure to, um, even for a while there, just because of the lumberjack thing, I was like, maybe it's like, half a wild man, you know, like we got yeah. the, the, you know, civilized man, you got your Bigfoot as the wild man. And this thing is like in between, it's like the intercessor in a sense, but, uh, I have no clue. I mean, I, you know, my opinion will change next week probably. Yeah. That, I, I, so you know. weird, man. And, and so amazing. Like, I love these stories uh, <laughs> yeah. so much. I, and it, I really wasn't that, like when I started talking about it, it was just a, a way to sort of relate like, Hey, my wife, the skeptic, even she's seen something mm-hmm. and I mentioned it offhandedly. And then I started getting just people just, you know, hit me up again and again and again. And then, you know, once we did a couple of shows on it, then it just became for a while there, I was getting like two or three reports a week. Now it's slowed way down. I might get, I might get one or two a month now. But, but that's that's still interesting that there was such a volume. Oh people. yeah, yeah. What year did this happen? The first one would have been in two thousand three, and then the no, I'm sorry, two thousand one, and then the other one was in two thousand three. Yeah, it was two years out later. So hmm. a weird thing that you know, in my mind, it's it's some type of uh, psychic entity or astral entity. You know, I would mm-hmm. think. But when when we were researching the stuff on Guterma, uh in the mine, I had a uh, I had a uh, we had an M- I'm on the board of Master Musicians Festival. I do I do a lot of work with bands. I run um, summer summer sessions. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen any summer sessions videos, but I shoot like live music sessions, uh, and it's a YouTube channel. And um, anyway, cool. Uh, we have a lot. So that's where the studio is mm-hmm. that we did the podcast. And so I have bands come from, from all over and, and I, and I work with the master musicians festival. And so we had had, um, the announcement party for the festival and, and then all these people had come upstairs to the studio to kind of mingle. And I, I wanted to know what Alexander good looked like. And I bought these two rare photos from the associated press archive. Like they sold me the original photos mm-hmm. And they're stamped on the back, and it was a very cool kind of thing. It was him coming out of his um, court case, you know, when they when they <laughs> convicted him of the largest financial fraud in U.S. history up until that point, you know. Huh. And um, he looks like a Bond villain, you know. He just looks that way. And so, on my big giant mixing board in the studio, I had the photos out because I was talking to somebody, and I'd walked out of the room, 
And so Darian comes, my research partner comes running. He's like, dude, you've got to come back in here. Come in here. You've got to talk to this lady. So I go in there and she's standing there with those photos. And he's like, go talk to her, go talk to her. So I walk up and she's like, are you Nathan? And I was like, yeah, I'm Nathan. And she said, I know this man. And I'm like, yeah, he, you know, he's, he's the guy that owned this mine. And she goes, yeah, I live out near the mine. She's like, I see this man every night in my dreams. Oh, wow. And she said, this is a very evil man. And I was like, uh. Wow. <laughs> and she's like shaking, right? You know? And her husband comes over and, and, and he's backing her up. He's like, I, he, he doesn't know what the guy looks like, but he, she, he's like, yeah, she, she keeps seeing this guy in her dreams with one black glove. And in the photos, Good term. In both photos, he's got one black glove on, right? Huh. And he's wearing this like bowler hat. It's really weird. And she just keeps going on and on. And she said, "I said, well, the guy died in 1977." And she says to me, "He he never died because he never lived." Oh wow. He's and and, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" You know? And she just keeps going on and on about how this guy comes to her every night and that I need to be careful. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's not in the show. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't tell anybody about that, but it was just another one of those things where I'm like, is this guy, you know, but then it's retro causality too. Is she picking up on something, a signal that we're broadcasting through telling this story, you know, somehow right. in some weird way, you know, that see, that's something that, that just happened recently too. After the show came out, all these signs started popping up all over town. And they were like, uh, they, they said, this town is a cult. You know, call the FBI. Uh, you know, judges, uh, lawyers, blah, blah, blah. And, and the first sign went up outside of our studio. Our, the studio was above Jarfly Brewing, right? Which is weird because the, you know, pan is such a big part of this story and because of Dan, Dan Dutton, but also part of Hellier and, you know, and, and the rebirth of Pan and all that stuff. Well, Dan Dutton pointed out to me, he said, do you realize that the cult of Pan, they all wore cicada pendants. They wore jar flies hmm. to, to signify that they were the cult of Pan. And so this entire podcast, which is very much premised on Pan and Dan and I've been making a, a film about his, opera the fallen about mm-hmm. pan you know for two years now it's just weird that you know that was the thing but anyway but outside the the building this woman in the middle of the day just walked up and plastered this crazy sign but it mentioned lester burns it mentioned sammy catron the, sh- the sheriff that was assassinated at the fish fry right <laughs> and and so their names are on there and other people's names and then five more signs pop up in town from other people witnesses saw you know they saw her but then they saw two different men put these signs up and then the final thing that happened last week was an abandoned house downtown suddenly everybody woke up and the roof had been spray painted with these giant letters that you can see from everywhere that this town is a cult call the fbi who are who are the cyber terrorists right and it's like Either of these people, the fact that they put Lester Burns and Sammy Catron on that sign, 
right? The first one that popped up. Now, had had it, any of your episodes been published when this happened? Yeah, th- this was this was two. This all started a week after the show came out. Okay, right. So it was like, did these people listen to the show? And this has triggered them to do this. The weirder thing is, it was as if they started to do this and weren't aware of the show. Right. Yeah. Because the the newspaper article came out about it, but that was two weeks after the show came out. So anyway, it was just it's, it's and it keeps happening. You know, these there. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know. If there's 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 just some weird people that live downtown that that are uh, the strange things are happening. You know, <laughs> a guy. You know, a guy was sleeping in front of the place. Uh, with a son that had a bunch of this weird stuff on it, so I I don't know, man. Uh, you know, is it? But is it the 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 intensity of the election? You know, this was this was right during the week of the election that it all happened, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, was it just that the whole world was sort of frothing? You know, there, was, there you know? was a a a very tense sort of uh, time there. Like I just noticed everybody just seemed to be just wound tight. And on edge. The, a, st- a really strange thing happened the night of the election too here at the house. I, uh, I'm a I'm a big scaredy cat because you know I research all this stuff and obviously scare the <laughs> myself right. <laughs> so so you know I leave a lot of lights on in the house and especially when I'm working, the kitchen light is never off. I just leave it on all the time anyway. And uh, uh, I got up. I was working. I was doing some research. And I got up out of the living room and. I, I walk out of the living room and the entire house is pitch black dark. And I thought, damn, that, that light must've blown. And instinctively I went over and I flipped the light switch, right. You know, just to see if the light would turn back on, if it was blown and it came back on, which meant that it was flipped off. And there's no way that I flipped it off coming out of the kitchen. Cause if I had, I would have been, plunged into darkness and I would have run for the living room where it was light. Right. <laughs> and, and so like, I know I didn't do it, but I was like, ah, you know, that's still not like a paranormal thing. You know, I was like, it made me feel weird, you know, that the light had been sw- switched off because it's, it's a heavy light switch. You know, it's not like it just accidentally flipped down. And a few days later, I told my wife about it and she's very ag- agnostic about all this stuff. You know, uh, she, you know, it's, it's, it's all, you know, hocus pocus to her, but I told her about it a few days later. She's like, listen, I didn't tell you this about that night, but if I tell you, don't freak out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we, we have, you know, uh, uh, two, two, two kids and, uh, one of them's, you know, a, 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 you know, under a year old. So they were sleeping in bed, and they have a, a a light that shines up on the ceiling. And the kids had fallen asleep, and she was in bed with them. And she said, right at the time that I said that that happened downstairs, that she, for about ten minutes, saw something break the beam of the light that looked liquid-like or smoke-like oh. on the ce- on the ceiling, right. And I was like, what the f***? And she was like, and I've tried to reproduce it. I can't. She was like, it looked unnatural. And so, but again, you know, our house isn't haunted. I've never seen anything here, you know. Amy did have the experience with, um, th- this was a, this was a strange thing too. Uh, I, <laughs> hopefully I'm not rambling too much and like hopping all over the place. But, no, it's um, good. It's very familiar. This is what we do. But, but uh, so in Hellier, when, you know, when they interviewed me, I told the story of, of her seeing, you know, she, we'd lived in this house for like, 
I don't know, a year or two, and it was middle of the day. She came out of the bathroom and on the, on the second floor, and there's a thermostat as soon as you come out of the bathroom. And she said it was middle of the day. It was in the fall. She doesn't remember the exact time. And when she came out of the bathroom, the thermostat slid like two or three feet to the left and then slid two or three feet down yeah. and then bounced back in place with this like wah, 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 wah thing. And, you know, she freaks out. And then, she, again, she doesn't think it's paranormal. She thinks she's having, like, an aneurysm or something, right. you know. Um, so I run up there, and, you know, she's screaming, and, and everything's fine, you know. But two, uh, like, two years, three years later, it happened again. And I wish I had taken note of when it happened. It was still around the same time of year, but I, I would have loved to have known it was at the same day, you know, it was at the same time. Mm-hmm. But but this exact same thing happened to her again, where it slid across the wall and down and then bounced back into place. Well, that's always been like a weird thing that I've chalked up to the Kentucky anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. That that it causes spatial distortions. And I know that sounds really crazy, but you know, two houses down from me, uh, our friends live in a house, like literally two houses down, where a group or uh, two twin sisters in the 1960s. Uh, we found a neighbor and multiple neighbors that told us this story. They lived here and they saw beings of light come out of the floor that would that they thought were angels, but they would appear out of the floor as luminescent beings and then tell them the future. So people would come over to their house and ask questions, and these they would see these beings and then ask the beings the questions and then receive answers. Right? Wow. <laughs> so that's two houses down from me. The house next door to me on the other side. I'm interviewing them and the youngest kid who's a, a, a young man now in his like early 20s. He tells me that when he was a kid, he saw beings of light come out of the floor in their basement. Right. Wow. So, so then I'm like, is this an area where there's some type of weird, you know, the geomagnetic energy is causing these distortions, right? Or is it affecting people's brains? Maybe, maybe it wasn't that the wall did that. Maybe it affected Amy's brain. Maybe that was affecting these people's brains that are on the street here. But there are other stories on this street in this area downtown like that. But this is what I was going to say back to you know what we were saying about broadcasting and people picking up on things. I've had a lot of people say. Send me messages after the show came out, uh, wanting to share. You know, you know, I'm sure you have this happen all the time. You know, people, you know, do the one tell you all the stuff because mm-hmm. they think, you know, oh wait, you you've heard these same stories or you know that's something like what I experienced. And so I started getting all of those, and a few of them were like some pretty wild rants, you know. And and Greg and I, Greg Newkirk and I were talking about some of this stuff, and he was like, you know, when Penny Roll comes out. You're going to have a lot of people contact you with a lot of crazy theories. But in a lot of that craziness, there's going to be signals. You're going to pick up on things that that, it means nothing to them, but it's going to mean something to you because of this work, right? Mm -hmm. And so someone sent me one of those messages. And so they're telling me this whole thing, right? Describing this whole theory to me and all this stuff kind of ranting. And right in the middle of it, they have a statement, I wish I had it in front of me, I'd read it to you, but about the thermostat and how the thermostat is where the man enters and exits our house. What? Yes. And then he goes back into the rant, right? Into a whole other thing. It's like, I was like, why was that even a side that he, 
that this person felt they needed to type in there to tell me about. It didn't even connect to their whole story. Right, right. But it's in there, right? Wow. And it would have only meant something to me. Right, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I keep getting things like that, and I don't know what to make of it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, you wonder if they're not in some way channeling something else, you know, unbeknownst to them. And and that's why I think, is that why the signs are popping up downtown? You know, are people picking up on this broadcast? You know, people that don't have filters, let's Mm -hmm. say, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, schizophrenia, you know, the reason you hear voices or you receive information or delusions is because you're, you know, our brains usually filter out all that information, but those filters are broken. And so that information gets through sometimes. And so it's like, is that what's happening? Is that that information is out there in this sort of numinal space, you know, mm-hmm. this uh, uh, place of ideas in this area, and then somehow it's seeping into their minds. And they don't even know why they're talking about Lester Burns or, you know, uh, Sammy Catron, you know. Right. But, but they are for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it only means something to me. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Well, just to step back a little bit, when you talked about your wife seeing whatever it was, uh, on the ceiling or, or in between the light and the ceiling. Have you heard our, the episodes we talked about the, uh, inky shadows people were reporting? No, I don't know if I've listened to that one. Yeah. It's very much like that. It's, it's people are describing these like amorphous kind of inky shadows that appear in their rooms and stuff. Did they do anything when they appear? Um, uh, a couple of people said they got like not a good feeling from them, but so, you know, as far as I know, they haven't done anything other than just be there and be ominous, you know. Didn't you do you did an episode about white Bigfoots, didn't you? Or white Oh creatures? several. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, so when I started digging into all there's so there's so many stories here. If you ever get the chance, if the if the uh, pandemic subsides, you should come down here to this area because it's it's rich historically, but just in terms of phenomena and just weirdness. It's it's off the charts, right? And for so for someone who loves that, this is like a wonderland you know, mm-hmm. of, of craziness. But Highway 39, where Dan Dutton he lives off of that. You know, again, there's this current of like 93, you know, and and Crowley, and um, and so Highway 39. There's an Adena mound off of that, and near the Adena mound, there are all these sightings of dogmen, and uh, and people see these the. Uh, alien big cats, you know, mm-hmm. the, the black panthers, you know, there are no panthers right. in this part of America, right? There, I, I probably have 200 witnesses that I've interviewed in the last three years that, about that, right? That's the most common thing I hear mm-hmm. about is their, is their encounter with that. Even Darian, when he went to find the, the meteorite in the, you know, in the first episode, he had a black cat sighting with the two guys he was with while they were going up there. And that's not in the show, but I have a whole segment where he tells that story. But Highway 39 has all this stuff. Dan Dutton, when he was coming back, had a he saw what he describes as a dragon, a baby dragon, a small winged lizard thing fly through his headlights, right? And just lots of strange stuff like that. But in that same area... Some guys I was interviewing, these are multiple people told me this story that not together, you know, but but I know all the guys and they, they recounted this and, and it wasn't changed. It was the same story from all of them. But they were driving back on Highway thirty nine and 
they saw this. I think there were five people in the car. They saw this six foot tall white fur creature, all fur all over its body, with bright red eyes. Not like flaming red eyes, but just like red eyes. When you know when the lights hit, you know hit its eyes. Mm-hmm. It turned, it looked at them, and it crossed the road. Well, they all freak out, and then gun it and keep driving. Well, like two miles down the road, it crosses in front of them again. Oh wow! wow. Right, and, and it's like a like an <laughs> that's you know like an interdimensional interloper kind of thing. You know, it was it was very like. Then they all told me the story. Well. I found when I, I I purchased the entire out you know uh, Rosales's humanoid series, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, while I was researching all this stuff that that I knew had happened here, I went through all of his volumes looking for similar things you know to to connect this stuff, and there are two other accounts in his series. I can't remember the exact decades right now, but there are two that are. A six foot tall, six foot tall ish, uh, white furred, red eyed creature that was sighted in Kentucky, one in Maysville and one in another town in two other decades, all within two hours of here. The number of white creature reports I get is so extremely high as to uh, rule out albinism. Absolutely, right. like it, I, like for me, I'm not even. I don't even entertain the idea that these creatures are natural at this point, but for those who do, you know, try to explain this away with albinism. It's just, there's just way too many reports. So that means there's a extant popu- population of, of white creatures, you know, along with brown and black ones. It's really, really hard to stay hidden in the woods if you're all white. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it's not evolutionary. It's yeah. not for survival. You know, where there's no snow here. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, th- th- three, four months out of the year in Pennsylvania, you might be okay, but you know, the number of white reports, it's just insane. It's like crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what that is, but uh, that sounds like some of the reports that we got for where the footprints end. You know, just the stuff yeah. where where it's just like somebody will see something and then drive down the road and they see it again. I mean, it's it's amazing. That's that's a great book too, man. I mean, you guys did a fantastic job. Oh, thank that. you. I mean, it's it's incredible research and wait uh, until you see volume two. <laughs> well, didn't you guys do an uh, did you guys do an interview about that where you guys were talking about some of the stuff? Maybe on, was it a mysterious universe or we've been all over the place. So yeah, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we were on well, mysterious. One of the interviews I, you guys were talking about some of the connections to the Fae mm-hmm. and. Um, and I thought that was all very, very fascinating because, uh, you know, we all call the, these things all, so many different names, but I really do think it is a, it is a shared phenomena, you know, that, that yes. cause I, I've always thought, you know, when Kiel interviewed the people and I, and I say this a lot, but I think this is a prime example, the people that saw a UFO above their house. And then they started to have poltergeist activity, mm-hmm. right? It belies some type of underlying structure to the phenomena that connects what what a lot of people in in the this I guess you call it industry, but you know people that are you know ghost hunters or people that are Bigfoot hunters or people that are UFO you know uh, researchers, and everybody's like, no, it's this, no, it's this, no, it's this, but really. There's so much crossover 
when you get into sort of the deep cuts oh yeah of the story <laughs> that 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 that's where the reality of this is it's not the that everybody sees all the time it's the stuff that you can't categorize the stuff that's difficult to fit in that are the pieces that connect it all together yeah i mean for me absolutely it's i can't help but look at it holistically at this point and you know you get your people who get you know enthralled with with the fae for instance and let's just like well it's all the fae and and it's like yeah it is but it's yeah. also all the gin and it's also yes. all poltergeist, you know. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. But that's. But see that I think that's hard for people. That's like telling someone who's a Christian that they believe the same thing as someone that's say you know Hindu, mm-hmm. because it's like, but you're all believing the same spiritual force. It's like, no, no way. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, exactly. It's like no, there's the Christian God and the Hindu God, you know, or whatever, you know. It's just like. It's like, but yeah, but really we're all talking about the same experience. Yeah, I mean, and I can, I get it with the, like the flesh and blood cryptozoology guys, because they, they're like the last holdouts and they're, they really want there to be a monkey that they can put in a cage and right. and say, we told you so, you know, to, to the world. I don't think that's going to happen, but, but the thing that blows me away is when, like I was talking to a ghost hunter and he was talking about how he's getting you know, footprints and powder and, and fingerprints on mirrors and stuff. And, and I said, man, you and I, were doing the same thing. I'm just doing it in the woods. I'm looking for footprints in mud. You know, you're, yeah. we're doing the same thing. And he just looked at me cross-eyed, like, what the hell are you talking about, man? I'm looking for ghosts. You're looking for Bigfoot. And I was like, no, it's this. We're doing the same thing. We're doing the exact same thing. <laughs> it's, it's just weird. People can't, they can't get rid of the dogma. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the 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 sort of curse of the paranormal. You know, the ghost people think the Bigfoot people are crazy. The Bigfoot people think the UFO people are crazy, and UFO people think everybody's crazy, and you know, so forth and so on. If you like what we do on Strange Familiars, and you want to help us continue making Strange Familiars, the best way to do that is to become a patron at Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/StrangeFamiliars. There are all different levels of support there, starting with the basic level, which you get extra content. We have over 60 shows now that you get as soon as you sign up, and we're doing more shows every month for that. But there are other levels of support as well for t-shirts, pins, stickers, all kinds of stuff. Check it out, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There are monthly subscriptions, and then there are yearly options as well now, so you can sign up for a month or you can sign up for a year. If you don't like the idea of a subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation. Go to the show notes at strangefamiliars.com. Look under any episode. You'll see a paypal.me link. Click on that. You can make a one-time donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, whatever podcatcher you use. Hit that like and subscribe button, even if it's YouTube. And by leaving us those nice five-star reviews, which helps get the show in front of new potential listeners. All right, as a reminder, I will continue my interview with Nathan next episode. But for now, our photo of the week isn't a photo. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, it, it's the same size as a photo. Same it size. would have been in people's photo albums. Yeah, it's almost, it was more common during the time of uh, Carts to Visit, which are the sort of calling card 
sized pictures to have what they call album filler, but sometimes that's the most interesting things because they would be reproductions of popular paintings or figures, literary figures. And so this is actually part of a series of German paintings. That were photographed, and these would have been sold by photographers, like mm-hmm. you said, as album filler for people to put in their photo albums. Or to collect them. So this is... I'm going to just butcher the German, but... Better you than me. <laughs> Eckhard's Flucht, which I think means cursed. Okay. So I guess it's the curse of this person. I don't know. There's probably some very famous uh, German fairy tale or something that I'm not aware of that, that this references. I'm sure if you do a deep dive, you can figure out more on this. And yes, we should have done that. <laughs> but it, but the thing is, like, it doesn't really ultimately matter because the image is just so cool. It's like this hooded figure peeking out over a guy who's slumped over. and With a spear or something. A spear and then a woman who looks sort of like a, she's got a witchy kind of quality to her, wrapped in all these cloaks and, cloaks and, so and layers of fabric. Holding a candle or a lamp of some sort. Yeah, I should look and see if I can find the original painting because obviously it wouldn't have been black and white, but... Hey, it's a mystery for someone else to figure out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And it's it's a super cool image. So if you go to the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com, you'll see an image of this, uh, we'll call it cabinet card. Mm-hmm. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can buy this photo of the week and previous photos of the week. There's a few of those left. It's always amazing to me how sometimes they'll, like an, a photo of the week from eight weeks ago will sell after it sat there. And sometimes the, the new ones sell right away. Yeah, and I don't know if people just that are looking for photos happen upon them that ha- know nothing about the podcast. Yeah, too, exactly. So I don't... Yeah, so go ahead and check that out while you're there. If you're looking for copies of my books, all of my books are available there. I think we're expecting volume two of Where the Footprints End this week. So if you pre-ordered that, they should start shipping this week. There's a ton of orders of those. Yeah, but honestly, I've never known anyone who... Is the f- as fast a shipper as you are. Like you're committed to getting things done like within a day. I do my best, but I do want to ask everyone to be patient because those are all going out media mail. Everything's backed up with the post office right now. Yeah, I have things I sent in November on eBay, which have yet to arrive for Oof. people. So yeah, so please be patient. I will send those out in the order in which people ordered them, and they'll have tracking, right? So people... I think yeah, they'll have tracking and so forth. You should get notifications from Etsy as I ship your books. I'm getting to everybody's. I'll get to them as soon as possible. It's a busy time here, but uh, we'll do what we can. We'll we'll get them out of here as fast as we can. So while you're at Etsy, uh, you can get any of my books, like not just the new book. All of my other books are there. Riverbend Comics and Etsy are the only places to get my art book at this time. Still trying to get that on Amazon. Still not having any luck. So for now, Apparitions, Illustrations of the Other is available on Etsy. That's the only place you can get that book. But all my other books are on Etsy as well. Those are on Etsy and Amazon. I just added some new artwork. I added two pieces from Where the Footprints End, Volume 2. One of those sold right away. I've got the frontest pieces from Where the Footprints End, Volume 1, and Volume 2 up there now. They're not cheap, but uh, they're some of my favorite Bigfoot art I've ever done, along with the covers of Where the Footprints End, 1 and 2. And I put another illustration up this week that sold right away as well. So I'll keep putting illustrations up there. Keep your eye there for original art. Thanks to everybody who's bought anything from Etsy, original art or books or anything. It's a huge help. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out Chad's shop, Rock Rabbit Outdoors. Check out our friends at Karmic Garden for soaps and hand sanitizers and all kinds of good smelling stuff. 
a shop named Karmic Garden. So that's it for this episode. I'll do my best to get part two of my interview with Nathan out this week as a bonus for everyone. You don't have to be a patron to hear that. I think that's going to be a bonus for everyone. So we'll be back very soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more, darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group, and we're on Instagram at strangefamiliars. This path it is not straight Though very narrow is its way My feet they are not twined To this long and lonely street
winding way Through broken heart To break of day Through soaking rain And burning sun Follow the How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.